0: Listen, just listen. I'm Miles Pulaski, and you're listening to the Second Story Podcast. Second Story is Serendipity Theater Collective's hybrid performance series of stories, wine, and music, a collaboration among writers, actors, musicians, and others to create good stories and good times. The stories are written by the performers themselves, sometimes funny, sometimes poignant, always thought-provoking. And now, second-story storyteller, Beth Dugan.
1: Adult children should never move back home. This is a fundamental truth up there with water is wet and the sun is hot. But it happens, and it happens more ugly than we'd like to admit. A show of hands who had to move back home for whatever reason, for however long. I am one of you. I was 28 and at a crossroad. I worked for WorldCom during the whole accounting debacle. Bernie Ebbers goes to jail. My middle-aged co-workers weep in their cubicles because their retirement plans were wiped out. They didn't diversify because WorldCom told them the best investment was WorldCom. It was appalling, and I was miserable at this mick job as an implementation engineer, which is a cross between a circus trainer and a latrine cleaner in corporate terms. (laughs) And at home, my roommate was getting married and moving to Baltimore. Suddenly, I hated my job and had nowhere to live. So when my dad suggested that I move in with him, it sounded like a reasonable idea. It sounded even more reasonable after I got laid off from my crap job and couldn't afford to find a new apartment. But I had some reservations. I love my dad, but he is not an easy man to get along with. I'm an only child, and my parents divorced when I was 20. He moved back to the town I grew up in after the divorce, Glen Ellen, in a bachelory new townhouse. Glen Ellen is an idyllic little town in the northwestern suburbs very white, very Christian, very clean, and very boring. My dad told me once that he got the police to respond to a domestic disturbance next to his house by telling them the people were Mexican. (laughs) They were not. But my father, A, thought this was a reasonable way to get the police to respond and B, was correct because four squad cars poured out and police ran over the lawn. This is Glen Ellen and that is my dad. My teenage years were spent grounded. This was my father's response to everything. Five minutes past curfew, grounded from the car, a CNM and math test, grounded from the TV, back talking, grounded from the phone, forgot to turn off the TV, grounded from leaving the house, vacuumed my room badly, grounded from the softball team, said tin foil instead of aluminum foil after repeated warnings, grounded. <laughs> I was grounded so much that the groundings overlapped each other and made a grounding pyramid of ambivalence for me. (laughs) I was always grounded. It didn't matter what I did, so it didn't matter to me at all. And I stopped trying to avoid the groundings and just tried to avoid my dad. He is a type A perfectionist who has been the valedictorian of everything he has ever done in life. He is someone who is constantly bending over to pick up invisible lint off the floor a person who alphabetizes his condiments, a man who owns five dustbusters, a man with 150 perfectly pressed shirts in ascending order from size, date of purchase, and color in his closet. I counted them. (laughs) My favorite and perhaps last grounding was when I was in college. I was 18, home for Christmas break, and I had a nasty habit of putting trash under my bed. Can you imagine? I'm a slob. Where did that come from? But it wasn't like used condoms and empty whiskey bottles, like old paper, mail, magazines, shoeboxes, but there was a lot of crap under my bed. And somehow when I was at college, my dad found out about the rat's nest. I walk in the door Christmas break, and he confronts me about the trash. He's standing there at the door, arms akimbo, his pale, bald head shining red, a vein throbbing. No greeting. He just launches into, Do you know what is under your bed, young lady? Young lady? Are you serious? I was still adjusting to my new college freedom. No curfew. No one to tell me how to fold my socks. Or to go to class or don't, as I chose. I planned to come home, have my mom do my laundry, and go out with my high school friends. Isn't that what people did on their college breaks? I was not prepared for young lady. Under my bed? No. No. There is paper under your bed and trash. I was so angry I couldn't believe it, but I knew the only way to respond. I yawned. A long, jaw-cracking, full teeth showing, eyes closed, head back yawn of exquisite boredom. So, I asked. He turned that shade of purple that I've never seen before. If you don't clean that up this instant, you are coming home and going to community college. He was grounding me from college. (laughs) I could think of no reasonable response to that. He was willing to derail my future because I had a nasty habit of putting trash under my bed. I stomped upstairs furious. I took off for a friend's house almost immediately. I didn't see him again for a week. I skipped dinners, all the family festivities, which were never that festive. I did clean out the garbage. It was his house after our, but our relationship changed after that. I didn't trust him anymore. I tried not to tell him what was going on with me. I just tried to stay off his radar. So now at 28, I was stepping back into the lion's den willingly. I was choosing to go and live with a man who planned out his meals two weeks in advance and never ever wavered from that plan, ever. (laughs) I like to think that we'd both changed. We had grown. I was an adult. I needed a place to stay. He could provide one. Maybe we could still work on our strained relationship. I was hopeful, but also between a rock and a hard place. My best friend, Sarah, who'd known my dad for 12 years, Begged me not to do it. Do not move in with that man. He is batshit crazy. (laughs) It will only end badly. I knew there was truth in what she said, but I didn't feel like I had much of a choice. I moved in. First thing, I scuffed the wall with my suitcase. It was an accident, I swear. But he spent three hours scrubbing the scuff mark with bleach and then repainting the scuff area. I was having second thoughts before I had even unpacked. But for the most part, it was okay. My dad charged me a minimal fee for rent and utilities and food, and it was still a better deal than I would have gotten anywhere else. He didn't want me to get too comfortable, he said, as though living in Glen Ellen, away from the city and all my friends and everything I loved with my father, the clean freak, would become too dazzlingly seductive (laughs) and he would never get rid of me. He needn't have worried. So for about three months, everything was great. He went to work. I got up and looked for jobs. I took some classes at the same community college he'd threatened me with 10 years earlier. We usually ate dinner together and talked. And we did get somewhat closer. We would talk about our days, about his work. We gossiped about the rest of the family. We both liked the TV show Bones. We would talk about that. We talked about my job search. And yes, there were a lot of rules about the lint screen in the dryer, about the thermostat, about cleaning the table after every meal, about eating anywhere but the kitchen, about taking glassware upstairs, etc. But I was kind of a guest in his house, and I had grown up a lot from that 18-year-old smartass who stuffed paper under her bed. So I did my laundry one day, and I carried my final bushel up the stairs and put it away in my room. And there the bushel stayed for a week. I just didn't feel like putting it away. Dad told me to put it away. I didn't. (laughs) He told me again. I didn't, but this time I didn't on purpose. (laughs) Who was he to tell me what to do with my laundry? I felt my old high school self inhabit my body. I asked him if he needed the bushel or something. He said, no, fair enough. The laundry sat there and sat. And I would paw through it, picking out what I needed. But after two weeks had gone by, my dad confronted me again. I was walking down the stairs and he was walking up. He stopped and turned around and said in his best scary dad voice, Elizabeth, put away your laundry. He used my full name to intimidate me, an old parent trick. But Elizabeth was now 28, paying rent and not afraid of him anymore. Why is it in your way, in the corner of my room? He towered over me on the third step. Because I said so. Because you said so? Are you kidding? This is my house, and I want it put away. Wow. I was having trouble breathing, and my hands started to shake. I had been waiting for this confrontation. (laughs) It is my laundry, and I will put it away when I want to. It is not hurting you there in the room that I pay rent for. He turned that shade of purple again, and the veins stood out in his head. Put it away, or, or what, Dad? Dad. I waited. I knew what was coming. I heard it hundreds of times. Or you're grounded. (laughs) He said it. (laughs) I closed my eyes. I think I actually smiled a little bit. (laughs) Not grounded. I mean, but you you better. He knew he had just said something that was absurd. (laughs) He stared at me with his mouth parted, opening and closing a little bit. He looked confused. He knew he'd just made a mistake. He let his temper get the better of him. You want to try that again? (laughs) Put away your laundry. No. And I turned on my heel and walked out the door. I got in my car and I drove to the mall and just sat there and stewed. I was so angry and outraged and furious. I was getting up a good head of righteous anger. How dare he? Who did he think he was? What was wrong with him? And I sat there under the sodium lights of the Yorktown mall, and I started to calm down a little bit and think. My dad is a very frustrating man, and he likes things just so. He always has, and that is never going to change. So why did I push him like that? Okay, maybe his parenting style wasn't perfect for a teenager, but I knew he loved me. He loved me then, and he loved me now, and he was trying to do right by me the only way he knew. And I thought about the man that he was now. Older, grayer, a little stooped, lonely, I think, and very sure about how he wanted things done. And what was wrong with that, really? I realized that I had slipped into my old teenage role because it felt so secure. When I was that age, my parents took care of me. My dad protected me, or at least he tried to. And I was at loose ends. Unemployed, no direction, no money, no prospects. Maybe I wanted him to take care of me for a little bit. And he did. He was my dad. He stepped up. I wasn't a teenager anymore. I was an adult, and I was the one who had changed. He was still really the same guy he had been back then. So this new adult me could decide to give another adult what they needed to keep the peace or keep banging my head against the wall and fighting with a man who loved me. It was an easy choice. I went back a few hours later, and we made peace. Though he never apologized, and neither did I. We just kind of pretended it never happened. I put my laundry away the next day and he gave me a lot of space in the house. It is just unnatural for an adult child to live in harmony with adult parents in this society. (laughs) Four months later, I found a job and promptly moved out. My dad was flabbergasted. You're moving out so soon? You've only had the job for a month. Uh, yeah, I am, dad. You know, honey, you can stay here for as long as you want. You don't have to leave. I know, Dad. Thank you. And I knew that financially it wasn't a good idea. Maybe the job wouldn't work out. I had used up most of my savings when I was unemployed, and if something went wrong, I would have no cushion. But I was ready to gamble. I should have waited and built up a little savings and done the metric commute for a few more months. But it was summer in the city. And I was ready to be back in charge of my own refrigerator, my own comings and goings, my own tinfoil, and my own laundry.
0: That was Beth Dugan. If her story gives you ideas for your own second story, we'd love to hear them. Please join us for our ongoing series at Webster's Wine Bar and the Land, or one of our upcoming special events. Join us this January 17th as we team up with American Theater Company for Second Story's first foray into fictional storytelling. Visit our website for more details. Second Story Podcast is brought to you by Amanda Delheimer, Megan Steelstra, Shannon Sullivan, and Mikhail Fixel. I'm Miles Pulaski. Serendipity is funded in part by the Gaylord and Dorothy Donnelly Foundation, the Illinois Arts Council, a state agency, the Richard H. Driehaus Foundation, City Arts Grants, the Chicago Community Foundation, a part of the Chicago Community Trust, the Arts Work Fund, and listeners just like you. To find out more about Second Story, the performances, our performers, or to make a donation, please visit us at secondstory.com.